Brady Saar, and I'm a sales agronomist for CHS Ag Services, Erskine. We're pleased to bring you this update from the Red River Farm Network, CHS Ag Services, providing solutions for your success. Monday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. I'm Randy Conan, along with Whitney Pittman and Sierra Doctor. Well, a major snowstorm with blizzard conditions is expected to impact the northern plains beginning tonight through Wednesday. World Weather Incorporated says snow will be significant across the western Dakotas, eastern Montana, and even northwestern Minnesota. System is expected to start out as rain in the southeastern areas before changing over to snow. 6 to 12 inches of snow and local totals of 18 inches or more is possible tonight into Wednesday through the Northern Plains. National Weather Service Aberdeen meteorologist Scott During says freezing rain and icing conditions are the biggest problem right now. South Dakota will see a very impactful winter storm. Starting to see some onset of the storm already with some uh, fog and uh, light drizzle. We have a few reports of icy roads or slippery spots on roadways. We'll see an intensity of uh, moisture come up more so tonight where, where drizzle, freezing drizzle changes over to like freezing rain and perhaps some, even some rain. South Central part of South Dakota, Pier area could see a period of rain this evening before eventually changing over to snow on Tuesday. National Weather Service Grand Forks meteorologist Jim Kaiser says Tuesday will bring the heaviest amount of snow. So across the, across the valley, we're looking at snow amounts in that 6 to 12 inch range up for eastern North Dakota and then like the, the valley counties on the Minnesota side would be in that probably like a 4 to 8 inch range. It would be a little lower on the Minnesota side of things than the North Dakota side of things. And, and it could be even lower than that depending on how long we see that mixed precip and, and freezing drizzle persist. With the heaviest snow and most intense snowfall rates coming Tuesday afternoon and evening into the overnight period. North Dakota State University Extension Livestock Specialists are warning producers to pay close attention to their animals with the winter weather system coming through the upper Midwest. Producers need to make sure the provided feed is meeting the energy and protein demands of the livestock. With substantial snowfall in the forecast, be sure animals have access to food and water. Livestock grazing cover crops may need to be supplemented with extra forage. The holiday season usually leads to thin volume in the commodity markets. Bennett Consulting President Matt Bennett says light volume is a cause to be cautious. Yeah, I mean, a lot of folks have packed it in for the year. Uh, but the thing is that people got to understand is that uh, light volume doesn't mean that uh, the markets aren't going to move. So sometimes you can actually get some awfully big moves on light volume. So we've got to keep that in the back of our mind as well. The wheat market bears watching. When you don't have very many participants, there's a lot of times, uh, you know, you can kind of see these markets really get hopped up. And so, especially whenever we've been uh, fairly oversold here lately, whenever it comes to, uh, especially the wheat market, finally seeing the wheat market come to life here, uh, you got to think that you're going to bounce somewhere in here. Uh, you look at this uh, U.S. wheat crop, and obviously we can't base everything there because you can grow wheat about anywhere in the world. But, you know, the wheat crop's going to go into dormancy here in the West especially, you know, and probably as, as bad a shape as I can ever remember. So, you know, you, you hate to get too down on it, especially after we've dropped a couple, three bucks over the last few months. The corn and wheat markets have been trading firmer with soybeans under pressure. Lowen and Associates market analyst Matt Hines thinks some of the support in the corn and wheat could be a short covering correction. 
uh, flip the story for wheat. You know, we've been under pressure here for quite some time. Uh, definitely getting into some oversold neighborhood and helped support, you know, decent last week. Some new recent lows, uh, at least for Kansas City and Minneapolis. Uh, new lows actually for the year in Chicago, but uh, Kansas City and Minneapolis haven't broke through their, their August lows. Um, so good to see, you know, if we can hold that. Hines says news for traders has been scarce. Not a whole lot of news, of course, you know, when we're talking wheat, especially in North America, everything's in, in dormancy. So um, kind of hard to, to get a bullish story unless we're talking something worldwide. Um, and it was kind of a mixed bag on Friday. Uh, USDA cut Argentine production uh, 3 million metric tons. Uh, they didn't touch corn or soybean production for Brazil or Argentina. Uh, but then they also raised Australian wheat production, uh, which could be a record crop down there. Cattle markets have seen brighter days recently, and Coima, Coima and Verilex, Brad Coima, gives an optimistic outlook for the cattle market with potential new record prices in the future. Getting my opinion, and it's only an opinion. I've uh, got to do the disclaimer, but, you know, I think that we've cut into the supply enough by killing these cows for two and a half years now that at some point you're going to have enough supply-side bullish information or, or news that you're going to go to a place we haven't been before, in other words, new highs. The ultimate all-time high so far was made in 2014, where we were around 174. So I don't know when, you know, whether that's this spring or whether that's next fall. I think that the supply side of the market's kind of cut in stone that we're going to go to a place we hopefully haven't been before. Koema says drought has brought a decrease in cattle numbers, and if weather permits, those numbers will start to come back. Yeah, it's kind of fun talking about cattle market outlook because there's a bright outlook, at least from a supply side standpoint. Uh, the uh, female slaughter, both beef cow and heifer slaughter, that's largely wasn't because of the back-to-back the -back drought years that we've had, right? And high price feed. So you've seen big liquidation of the, what we believe anyway, of the cow herds, which ultimately, of course, less cows means less calves down the road. So key to the deal is, of course, we need to have some improved weather conditions where these cow-calf men can get enough grass to hold those heifers back and, and start to rebuild their cow herd. The Inflation Reduction Act includes increased funding to address climate issues. Minnesota's $17 billion surplus is also expected to include support for soil health and water storage. Minnesota Soil and Water Conservation Districts Association Executive Director Leanne Buck says these efforts influence conservation strategies at the local level. For the Soil and Water Conservation District, because we're so uniquely connected also to our USDA partners. We're very cognizant of policies that are done at the federal level, just as much as the state level, and just as much as the local level. So it's a really nice little trifecta of trying to ultimately look at all these policies coming down the road. And I just really, really do want to emphasize the voluntary conservation approach and the acknowledgement that there are a lot of landowners doing great things. Minnesota Association of Water and uh, Soil and Water Conservation District's annual meeting begins today in Bloomington, continues through Wednesday. This is the Red River Farm Network. Monday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. Mar Mark Watney of Velva, North Dakota, was re-elected to a 10th year as North Dakota Farmers Union President by members and delegates at the 96th Annual State Convention this past weekend. Farmers Union members also adopted four special orders of business during convention that outline priorities for the upcoming legislative session and farm bill, which includes addressing fair markets for farmers and ranchers and adequate staffing for the Farm Service Agency. 
North Dakota Farmers Union wrapped up their annual convention this weekend. NDFU Government Relations Director Matt Perdue presided over farm bill discussion and developing priorities. A hard look was taken at crop insurance to see where improvements could be made. Those priorities fit in three general buckets. We have strengthening the farm safety net, establishing and improving permanent disaster programs, and then providing farmer-friendly climate provisions. On the, the farm safety net, one of the more exciting ideas, I think, is a dual enrollment option where a producer would get the higher of their calculated ARC or PLC payment rather than having to make a choice a year and a half in advance as to which program might serve them better. We also are supporting an increase in PLC reference prices, which many groups around the country are talking about right now as we face increased cost of production and really um, some, some challenges on the margin side over time. Purdue says the most challenging part of the Farm Bill Working Group was tackling program integrity with crop insurance. Our members of our Farm Bill Working Group really did spend a lot of time focusing on some of those program integrity questions. Um, I think their goal was to make sure that these payments are directed towards family farms and, and ranches around the country. And so uh, they really focused on the, the worst cases of maybe what we would say abuse or some of the, the most egregious loopholes in some of those programs. It talked about how we can close some of those loopholes, making sure that you know a farmer who makes has adjusted gross income of a million dollars isn't eligible for farm program payments. We have that on the books now, but there are enforcement issues that uh, this group really wants the organization paying attention to. The Red River Watershed Executive Board uh, Director uh, Rob Sipp says news of a $17 billion budget surplus in the state of Minnesota means he will be doing what he can to secure funding for flood reduction projects in the Red River Basin. And right now we have about 10 large-scale flood projects in the works, and so we're looking for about $50 million from the state of Minnesota. But they do have a little bit of extra money, I understand, and we're hoping to get some of that funding next year. And I, I know there's a lot of new legislators and uh, a lot of work that needs to be done to uh, help illustrate what we need for, for flood projects and, and the funding side of things. And SIP says Farmstead Ringdike projects are also underway. We're also working on Farmstead Ringdikes, and we do have some state money for Farmstead Ringdikes. Uh, plus, we have some money that we'll allocate. It's about $364,000 that was received last year. And so going through, going through that process, those funds will be available after the first of the year. And so that $364,000 will be matched uh, not only by the Red Board, but our member watershed districts and then landowners. And so that those state dollars will go much farther and we'll be able to construct a few more farms at ring dikes. The beginning stages of construction have begun on the Red River Valley Water Supply Project. Vogel Law Firm attorney Tammy Norgard has been on the project since 2001. That project is underway. They started construction in March of uh, 2021. They started some pipeline construction. Um, and they're starting the construction strategically on the eastern part because um, there's a question about where we can actually, whether we can use a different water supply, which would be the canal, the McCluskey Canal. And if we can tap into the canal, it could save us up to $300 million in construction costs. And so that is something that's still being weighed. Norgard says expansion into the McCluskey Canal is currently under review. 
We got federal approval to use the canal, but at this point we're still looking at the Red River Valley project that would just be the state project. Um, we're currently in litigation, but we wanted the district court. Um, we just had an argument to the Eighth Circuit that I think went really well and we feel very confident about, but it's something that um, it's still underway moving forward. There's starting to be pipe in the ground, which is very exciting after so many years. For more information from the Red River Farm Network, visit Facebook and Twitter. You can also find stories, podcasts, and more at rrfn.com. Reporting agriculture's business, you're listening to the Red River Farm Network. Welcome to Inside Agriculture on the Red River Farm Network. NDSU released trial results from a study looking at corn hybrid data. NDSU Carrington Research Extension Center Director Mike Osley says the study showed drought-tolerant corn produced only marginally more yield. Yeah, so this last year we had a study where we wanted to look at the difference between uh, drought-tolerant corn traits versus uh, hybrids that didn't have those traits. Uh, so we had uh, different watering strategies we were using to try to find out if there's a value to having or, or what value these traits might have in corn. What it came down to was uh, with our higher levels of irrigation, uh, we weren't really seeing much of any difference between the varieties and the way they performed, uh, but we had no irrigation. Uh, it looks like there was a modest advantage to having the drought tolerant trait. Probably need to do a little more work over the years if we want to figure out if it was actually worth it to have that trait in there or not. Osley says drought resistance is still a relatively new trait in corn. Uh, the drought tolerant trait first popped up about 10 years ago commercially and it's been kind of working its way north from the, the I states uh, and, and west. And so uh, there are, are every year it seems like more and more varieties that have those traits incorporated into them that have shorter maturities. Uh, so um, I think people will be seeing them in the variety lists uh, uh, a little more than they have in the past. USDA is preparing a special risk assessment report to help growers respond to avian influenza. Dr. Rosemary Sifford, who's with USDA's Animal and Plant Health Inspection Service, APHIS, is working on that project. We're in the midst of doing an analysis of all the data we've collected on the affected facilities to make some statements about the level of risk and what are factors that create a higher level of risk. And Sifford says turkeys seem to be more susceptible to highly pathogenic avian influenza than other birds. Checking market numbers before we leave you this afternoon, we're seeing uh, Minneapolis wheat 12 to 14 cents higher. We're 19 cents higher in Chicago wheat. March Kansas City wheat's up 26 and three quarters. Corn, March corn up nine cents. July's up six and three quarters. January soybeans are down 23 and three quarters. March down 23 and a quarter. January canola, 310 a metric ton higher. December live cattle up 72 cents. January feeders are down 27 cents. And December lean hogs, 45 cents higher. Thanks for joining us. Have a great afternoon. This is the Red River Farm Network.